if I go out there and give the fans the performance and maybe touch one person or make another person feel not alone or that they can maybe be more open about their sexuality or mental health, well, then I've already won a championship. Yeah, so, be themselves. Yeah. Because that's what it's all about. Exactly. Being, being your whole self. Yeah, being your weird self because we're all weird, you know? There's no normal. That's recovery. Yeah, exactly. Hello, friends. This is Jesse Zookman, and you are listening to Mental Radio, where we talk about all of the ways there are to recover from mental health challenges with a focus on holistic health and self-care. We have a very special episode today. I am proud to bring you the newly crowned Defy Wrestling Champion, Randy Myers, also known as Theo Francone. If you don't know Defy Wrestling, Defy is the premier wrestling organization of the Pacific Northwest. Um, we've got some amazing local talents, and then they couple them with some of the top talents from around the world um, being flown in for just about every card. So it's always a mixture of local stars and top international talent performing their hearts out in front of uh, an intimate crowd who is rowdy and loud and interactive and really a community. And the people who are a part of this community, they're people that might not fit in anywhere else, kind of in the same way that punk rock um, attracts a lot of people that might not fit in anywhere, you know, they might not fit in anywhere else or metal or hip hop. So it's very appropriate that our newly crowned champion, Randy Myers, is the leader because his whole character is about representing the weirdos. His moniker is the weirdo hero. Um, he comes to the ring. Um, well, we get into it. I don't want to get, I don't want to spoil too much, but he is kind of a punk rock weird hero celebrating people who don't fit in, celebrating all of us who don't necessarily have a space. He's celebrating people to be their complete selves. He's kind of like the Hulk Hogan that we all needed, but never got as a kid. We didn't really need like, you know, say your prayers, you know, uh, eat your vitamins. We did need people to tell us that we were perfect exactly the way we are, that it's okay to be who you are, that if you have mental health issues, that's okay. And there's a way out and we're in this together. That's what Randy Myers is all about. Um, this was recorded just before he won the Defy Wrestling Championship. And he was a significant underdog. Um, so it's a big surprise. There'll be more to come. I would love to have Randy on the show again to, to do a follow-up after he wins the championship. But when you hear this, he's talking about maybe he's going to win the championship. He doesn't know what's going to happen. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's amazing just to... Just, just to have a chance at the championship, and he took the whole thing, and now he is the face of the Defy Wrestling Organization, and just a great representative for all of us who have severe mental health struggles, because he's someone who has been in it and been in the in the trenches like so many of us, and found um, a way out. So we get into all of that. I can't wait to uh, to share this with you. Um, but before we get to Randy, as always, don't make any changes to your treatment plan based on anything on the podcast. You have to talk to your licensed healthcare practitioner. 
And if you do like the show, please consider supporting our work um, with a tax-deductible contribution that you can make over at mentalhealthmedia.org. You can see what we're up to. You can check out past episodes. You can subscribe um, to the podcast and, and all of our social medias. And you can buy a T-shirt, and you can buy uh, stickers. You can buy a sticker of my therapy cat, Basho, um, over at Mental Health Media, and just uh, see all the ways there are to contribute and plug in. And with that, homework out of the way. I am so proud and grateful to be able to bring you the new Defy champion, Ravenous Randy Myers. Well, Theo, thank you for being on Mental Radio. Oh, thank you for, so much for having me. For people who don't know your who Randy Myers is. Who is Randy Myers? Oh, geez, that's a... Uh, Randy Myers is an extension of me. I've always thought that the best people who... Or people who play the best wrestling characters are always people who turn up something with inside them. So Randy Myers is just a 100% an extension of me. Um, but And it's altered over the years. So I've been wrestling for 20 years. So I call myself the weirdo hero and the punk hunk. I think that's a quick uh-huh. kind of flash as to who I like to be. Uh, I like to be the person who represents everyone who's strange or der- or called deranged or been told they need to change and people who are born different or choose to live their life differently. And right. I like to represent those people because those are the people who I've always felt connected with me. And that's who we are yeah, in this building. Sure. And so where, where are we? So so we often do this show like over Skype or something like that. Okay, yeah. No, where, where are we tonight? tonight? This is like kind of a big deal we're at the washington hall for defy wrestling in seattle washington in seattle washington yeah backstage, backstage. In, we're in the stars dressing room right now yes i always like to fart as much as i can <laughs> in the stars dressing room before they get here and then there's like what is what is in here <laughs> and tonight is not just any other night no it's not they've got me going for the defy championship tonight against Shaf, the baddest <laughs> in professional wrestling and um so you this is your first title match second actually your i second fought time. Uh, swerve for the title in portland last year at one point yeah but this is your first time going against this current champion 100 percent. yeah this is an un this is uncharted territories a little bit or do you know what to expect going into this well we've only ever been on the same side me and Shaf right. have teamed in the past right, before right. so i've been there like at ringside watching him wrecking ball through all sorts of competitors but i've never been on the receiving end of any of that stuff so tonight's the first time to feel the wrath that is shaft so um i wish you luck thank you um he is I'll take a, it. A, a scary man for people who do not know if you go online and you look up uh shaft uh defy he's a large man mm-hmm. who looks like he could squish the head of most people with minimal effort. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe two at once even. His hands are so huge, I think he could just palm two people's heads like basketballs and just like, yeah, squeeze the gray matter out. Um, I agree. Um, so, but, but you're going to go out there and do your thing like you always do. Mm-hmm. And this is something that really drew me to your character because as I was, I was sick for a long time and one of my first moments back kind of feeling a part of society again after being out for the count for a long time was seeing your entrance, oh, which is remarkable. I have never seen anything like your entrance. I don't think you can say who Randy Myers is without talking about your entrance. Um, can you tell tell our audience a little bit about 
what that looks like exactly? Well, I, I use uh, Etta James at last for my theme song. Um, and because I felt that everyone was pl- coming out to these either a hard rock song or or a metal song or something that was just telling you how, what an ass kicker they were. And I wanted to come out to something not showing that side of me. I wanted to come out to something softer that was a little more true to me. And so I come out to edit James at last and I sashay myself around the ring. Uh, I find I find fans and I will... Uh, they've got a nice beard i might give it a tickle and if they're willing to give me consent then we'll i'll give them a big smooch on the face right then and there so this is a remarkable spectacle (laughs) because you are um i mean i don't want to make any assumptions about your sexuality that's fine but there's a queer presentation for sure um coming out into a crowd of i'm assuming I mean, you would assume mostly heterosexual. I think that's a safe bet, yeah. Men who also are not all from our liberal haven of Seattle. There's a lot of people who are coming in from the boonies Mm -hmm. a little bit. For sure. Who you think maybe be, you know, the wrestling fans. I don't want to make any assumptions, but there's a few Trump supporters here. For sure. Let's just say, and they all unanimously love you and will very often give you a smooch right on the lips. Yeah, no, for sure. Which is <laughs> mind-blowing to me. Do you ever feel a little nervous coming out and doing this presentation? Or is it always just so positive that it's never a thing? I think I get possessed by the song in right. the back. And then it's just, I'm in the moment and I'm feeling the vibe. And no, there's never been any sort of... I've had fans turn down the kiss, which uh, they have every right to. And if you don't want to kiss me, please don't kiss me. I don't want to pressure you into nothing here. But I've had people turn it down and that's totally cool. I've had nobody give me any sort of grief or anything like that, which is incredible because I'm I am pansexual. So I like... And I was very, I grew up, I was raised by my single mother, as well as her friends who are a bunch of gay males. So that's where a lot of like the mannerisms and stuff came from. And I was raised around people who were doing drag shows and stuff like that. And we're also, I was from Alberta and Canada. So it's very um, conservative area of the world. So they were all 60 year old men who had been like, gone through a lot of grief for their sexuality and where a lot of them were still as much as they sometimes do drag shows they were still closeted to like a lot of their family Mm -hmm. or to maybe to their professions and stuff like that and I saw how much grief and strife that that put them through to like they almost had the secondary mask of this person that they had to pretend to be to society when really that's not who they were Mm -hmm. and then growing up because I had these mannerisms and stuff, that was the thing that I was bullied for. Mm-hmm. Was um, That was picked up on by other people, mm-hmm. by bullies real quick. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this guy's a feminine, this mm-hmm. guy's gay, this guy's all these things. And then that made me, and then that was the thing I was, I had my life threatened and stuff like that. And all that kind of stuff that goes along with high school and junior high and all that crap. And it, so my sensitivity was something that I tried to like hide. Mm. And, and when I first got into wrestling, it was I. I, I, my idea, my my uh, idea wasn't to come in and be the character I am today. My idea was to maybe make an even stronger mask that was more macho and more tough and all really? this stuff. Yeah. So when you started, you were a tough guy. Well, I think I was trying to. I think I was trying to be as what I can do as a tough guy, but that still comes across as a goofball. Like that, right. pretty quickly, didn't stand true. But I was definitely trying to not look effeminate, not uh, show my weaknesses. Trying really? to show, like, I thought wrestling is the place where you're the ultimate, like 
kind of male or whatever, you know what I mean? And like all the people who thought I was weak because I was sensitive or weak mm. because I was a feminine um, or weak because I was open about uh, mental health issues that they would all be like, well, you know, obviously he's not weak. Look at this. Right. He's doing all this stuff. And then it wasn't till years and years that I started showing the, that side slowly more and more. Like I had, uh, I went down to a WWE tryout and Dusty Rhodes was there and he was like, and he took a liking to me and then he brought that up right away. I was still trying to hide the effeminate oh, really? side and really, he's like, really? yeah, you, you know, I'm not going to do a bad Dusty or maybe I will, but he was telling me, he was like, yeah, I see you put your hands on your hip. You move very effeminate, but that's not part of your gimmick. And I think that there's really something to that. He had that in his gimmick and so mm -hmm. did his son like oh, Dustin, yeah, right? So there was an effeminate side yeah, 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 to these. Yeah. And then he was like, it worked for me. So mm -hmm. I don't know why you're not kind of, running mm -hmm. with that and mm -hmm. I still was too scared right still too scared two years I still was like too scared uh, to do it I had other people kind of mm -hmm. in high positions tell me that maybe I should be going down that avenue and I was like well no that was what I was picked on that was right. what I was teased right. for that was what I was that's what I was still holding some shame about you know what I mean um so uh, and then I, I don't know I just defy when I did my first show for defy I just I wanted to try something new. It was a brand new audience. It wasn't like uh, if I didn't, if I had come out as a new character in Vancouver where I'd been wrestling for the last 10 years, mm -hmm. they would have been, it would have felt jarring. Right. Where coming down here for a new audience, I could do this. I'm like, I want to do this at a James thing. I want to try something new. And the second I went out there, it's just all the, the things that I was trying to hide kind of, I showed the world and that was when I was really accepted. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, what the it's fuck? Beautiful. I should have been showing this shit all along. <laughs> well, this is the question though, right? Because I mean, the characters that you, well, Dusty, are, are, this is not necessarily a wrestling audience. Yeah, so no problem. Dusty Rhodes um, was a good guy, a face, mm -hmm. as wrestling fans will say. A baby face. A baby face. Um, but his son's character, um, Goldust, uh, who's a, uh, uh, Dustin, right? Yep. Um, he was a bad guy. Yep, exactly. Uh, when he debuted that effeminate character in the 90s. Yep. And, well, this is my question because th in wrestling, it's always been this super effeminate character until I saw you was a bad guy. Yeah, exactly. And here we are, you know, for, I mean, my perception, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I mean, going from, I mean, I was... I was so sick. I didn't leave the house for like three or four years. And then here I am. I'm like, wow, this is a new world. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. Like waking up from a coma almost, right? Exactly. And here I am and everybody is cheering the effeminate hero, yeah. weirdo hero, yeah, as yeah, they yeah. call you. Yeah. Um, do, do you think that's the sign of the times or do you think it really is, was just the way you hold it? It's a good question. I think that I think it's a little bit of both. I think you. I think there obviously has been a lot of, and I've seen it so much, and I'm so happy to see those positive changes within the way that people are accepted in today's day and age. But I also think that it needs to be the way you own it, and I think it also needs to be like that. I think there needs to be a lot of thought put into this stuff. You know what I mean? I think that there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a performer. At least I take a lot of responsibility for that. I don't want to be cheered or booed for something or for morals that I don't agree with. So I feel that, yeah, I feel that it was this audience too. You know, I still like, you asked me if I have fear, not in front of a defy audience to right. go out there, but sometimes in front of other audiences, right. I'm like, I don't know how they're going to take right, me. Right. I was at a show last weekend and there was 
uh, a guy who wasn't even doing an effeminate gimmick, but was a pretty boy. And then he was getting some slurs from the crowd. And this was in a smaller town in BC. And I was like, "Ah, I it made me my skin crawl and made mm-hmm. me cringe. It reminded me as to why I'm not, I don't do certain shows and mm-hmm. why I don't yeah, want to perform in front of certain audiences or feel as comfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So because it feels like, Oh, there's my bully right there from high school sitting right, right. there. You know right. what I mean? And the thing was, it was a, it was actually like a 16 year old kid. I think it was at this show. And then, and that was kind of heartbreaking. So yeah. yeah, there are still some places that I go out there and I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to give them 110% randy. Right. Be as vulnerable as you are here exactly. in Seattle. Yeah. Um, we actually have some overlap in that. I actually grew up around, my mother was a professional modern dancer. Oh, cool. And her dance troupe and the people around her were all drag. Oh, fine. So I grew up like in, in venues that look like this in this neighborhood. Oh, cool. Um, you know, watching my uncles and my mom put on drag shows and, and rehearse drag shows. Oh, that's awesome. And people kind of pick up that I've been socialized around that mm. kind of... And in New York, where I come from, it's totally normal. People don't know it. People grow up with art kids. Like, they're like, whatever, you yeah. know? But in Seattle and places around here, like, I feel it. Like, you... If I gesture a little bit more oh, yeah, too yeah, much yeah. like this or I stand a little bit too close or I just express myself and have that soulfulness and that vulnerability that I was raised around... Um, you know, when we moved out to Long Island, I really did start to get a lot of bullying. Okay, yeah. Um, and and physical abuse yeah. for because they picked up sensitive kid, artistic mm-hmm. kid. Um, you know, even before the time that puberty, you know, it wasn't even about girls or boys or anything. Yeah, no, it was for just sure. just that presentation. And I think that's interesting that you know we both kind of talk and work around mental health stuff and have that. Yeah, come from the same that sort of kind of conflict or that incongruency with mainstream society. Yeah, yeah, and like kind of like where do I fit in, kind of place or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that's that's just an interesting thing because I've, I've started thinking a lot about gender and mental health and mm. just you know how men or male presenting people, male socialized people, um, do get a lot of shit, especially if you don't fit into a box. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. They're definitely always trying to, I think just in general, I even find like, I have trouble talking about, like I've taken on the adjective of, of pan, Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I'm fine with it, but I don't, for me, my sexuality, I feel on a spectrum. Some days I might want to make out with everybody and some days I don't want to be near anybody at all. And, and that can change via like, minute you know what i mean and and i'm just attracted to people yeah you know if i find your like energy and i i i'm attracted to you i don't i don't try not to put it too much in a box and i feel that everything even more i think it's if if finding a label makes you feel more comfortable which i think it does for some people then that's awesome but i feel that like this mass amounts of like labeling and categorizing and putting people into it even feels like we're making more boxes or tinier boxes you know what i mean so now you're in the queer box, but you're in the pan the male identifying, you know what I mean? And I, and that's great. Like I said, if that makes you feel that way, but, um, I just, I'm just me and I want to love who I want to yeah. love. And I don't necessarily want that to be, like I said, in any sort of box. But that's a harder, is it not a harder place? Cause I don't have, I, I don't really feel comfortable. I have thought about all of the boxes. Okay. I have a lot of friends that are gender queer and trans and a lot of what they talk about, I make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, I just don't feel a box. Yeah. And there's a certain vulnerability. I kind of, I feel for myself a little bit without yeah. having. 
I think people, for, from my perspective, and I can't speak for other people, but I think people kind of put themselves, I think there's a lot of maybe what I'm doing of like, this is the box that's closest. Right, right, right. You know right. what I mean? So I'll tick that because yeah. it feels like at least then I'm like, it, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't, think, I don't think there's as many people who fit in. I think there's lots of people who don't fit in the box. I think most people don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if you, put too, if you put thought into it, I think if you don't think about it, then you're just like, okay, then maybe I can fit here easily. But yeah, no, I, I feel that for you totally. Yeah. So the reason that I wanted to talk to you, not, oh, not only because you're a great wrestler and you have this amazing character that I've, unlike anything I've seen before, is that you have a focus about mental health as part of your work, as part of your character, as part of your persona. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about, uh, sure. little bit about that? How does, how does, uh, what does uh, your character have to do with, with mental health? Well, again, it's an extension of myself, like I was saying, my character. So, um, and I suffer from mental health issues. I have for, I think I started seeing my first psychologist when I was seven years old. Wow. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then I've been going ever since then. So it's been, my mom works one-on-one -on -one with mental health people. She's always been involved in that community as well. Uh, so it's just been something that's always been around me and, and I've suffered with myself. So I, I think that, like I said, we have, a, we're given an opportunity and platform let's go out there and let's find our fellow people. Like I basically got like a blowhorn or like a megaphone. Right. And I can be like, who here's questioning their sexuality and feels depressed and anxious. Sometimes raise your hand. And then, and then I can feel like, Oh, I'm not alone. Right. Just by doing that. You know what I mean? Or like encouraging other people um, to come forward with their mental health struggles or just like let people know that they're not alone. And I know that if there was somebody like that in wrestling, like if, if there was somebody like me in wrestling when I was growing up that was like open about their sexuality being not fitting in any boxes um, and about suffering from some mental health stuff, I would be like, that's what I was looking for. Right. You know, and I, I never, I didn't find that. I found some, obviously some great role models within wrestling, but I didn't see anybody like that. And I thought if I could bring that, then I'd be bringing, be the person you want to be or the change you want to see in the world, right? Be the thing you want to be. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to go out there and be the person who could have done a lot of help for little Theo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think of the same thing. I mean, it's so much of this conversation is just so in its infancy. Yeah. When I got, I first got sick, it was nine years ago and there was nothing like my project. There was nothing like this project, okay. just exploring all of the different ways there are to get better. Yeah. And I needed a different way to get better because meds wasn't, didn't work yeah. so well. I needed other stuff. I get and it. I thought, there wasn't anything else. So if I had this project, when I started going down this path, I would have saved myself years of time. So we're both kind of totally. doing that. It's, I, I found it interesting with what you said, because I wonder if I'm answering my own question where I'm like, well, how do you feel being in these other places, giving the kind of show that you're doing? I wonder if there's more people in that crowd who are identifying with your struggle than we can see. Mm, I think that's I think that's definitely for sure. I don't think that necessarily the people with tons of anxiety are always running right. up front and, and or or sexual uh, questions or, for sure. or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right? and it, yeah. No, so there could be some people who I'm yeah who do, who don't even make their voice heard. Who yeah, maybe speaking to yeah, yeah, because it's electric, right? It's there's like this pull and like. And maybe that pull in another day and age went in like a negative direction. But mm -hmm. now it's like, maybe you're opening the door a little bit for more people than we realize. That's that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Like I, 
I'm I can I, like I said we call I call myself the weirdo hero, but if I can leave wrestling where there's weirdo heroes, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's not something I want to be like my own like I I'd love and I see that. I see yeah. these people being like these characters that are coming up that are weird and different yeah. and sensitive yeah. and promos I'm seeing that aren't just like screaming. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like actually being a little they're showing something from inside and that's awesome. And I do see that coming up. Mm-hmm. Just more than just one emotion. Like yeah. Wrestling doesn't need to just be aggression and greed. I want your belt. Right. You know, and I want that belt so bad I'm gonna punch you in the face for it. Like you know, right. I don't think that's all it is. So well that's this is another piece. So for when I and during my recovery, a big focus of mine, just based on the research I did, was finding community. Okay, yeah. Um, so much of you know American culture, and I'm I'm assuming Canada a little bit. Not uh, safe to bet. Is that you know we're pretty isolated, and there's a lot of community uh, among outsiders, among people who don't fit in anywhere else in a space like this. Yeah, no, definitely. This is they've always called wrestling like the island of misfit toys. Right. Yeah, and that's definitely it's a place where it's like for years and years it was never seen as an art form or as a sport. You know what I mean? It was looked down at by people in who liked higher art. And then it was uh, looked down at by people who liked professional sports. So here it was in this weird, like, no man's land or no person's land. And, and yeah, and then it was all about, like, kind of misfits and different people and stuff like that. So there is a community of people who have always felt a little bit different. Like, people have been bullied for liking wrestling for a long time. Too, right. You know what I mean? Even something that simple, even if you're like the, even if you're chaff, mm, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you're telling your friends that you're a pro wrestler, the, oh, that fake stuff or right, whatever, right? right? Like there's a certain a military background. Totally. So. Right. So, you know, there's people that are like, <laughs> so what you're, you're, you're kissing a dude right. and that you like, dude, we, we, we were in a platoon <laughs> together or whatever platoon. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, you know? So, right. yeah, but it does like everyone's so open and the amount of like people who have been. Like sometimes pitching the idea of kissing my opponent in the ring is a bit interesting because I'll bring it to like somebody like a, like a wrestler that maybe I grew up watching mm-hmm. and now I'm wrestling right. and now it's come to the point where I need to tell them that I'm going to, I'm going to kiss them. And I sometimes get a little bit like nervous about that to see how, I don't know how that's going to go, how they take their sexuality, how they handle that stuff. And the looks on their faces are always like elated. Like they're so, they're so happy that they don't have to get dropped on their head. They're like, well, we're going to get a reaction and you're just going to kiss me. Then let's do that. Cause that sounds so much safer than anything else. So let's go there. So it's always been greeted with like excitement. Uh-huh. That's great. Um, so for our audience, if you're, if you're an iso- if you're isolated and you don't know where else to go, maybe check out some independent wrestling totally. and make some friends. Well, I just want like, I think just checking out art in general, you know what I mean? Checking out, like there's, there's things that we got to, that we've always wanted to do. Like I went to a silk screening course this last week and I met some cool art people there and I've taken improv classes and like, you never know where you're going to find these people. So don't, uh, don't isolate yourself and don't, to try and take those uh, opportunities if they're in front of you. You know what I mean? You never know where you're going to meet that person. You're not going to meet them on your couch. Right. Yeah. At least I'm not. I don't know. And there are people who are uh, as strange as all of us. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. At the wrestling show. Oh, yeah. Please. Yeah. They're weirdos <laughs> here and I love them. Yeah. Um, so tell. So how does performance help your mental health? What I feel that like performing is the place where I get to be 100% me. 
Really? Yeah, I get to be over the top. If I was doing that, walking down the street and pointing at a stranger and asking them to consensually kiss me and stuff like that, there probably wouldn't be the same um, uh, agreement and the same amount of percentage of people that were willing to do it. Um, and being as flamboyant and being that big, just it's it's what's inside and I have to like contain that a lot of the time. So giving me that place to explode um, is really, is really useful for me. You know, like I've, uh, I, I wrote this thing where it's like, I, I've, for years and years I've learned how to contain myself, but I want to go to a place where I don't need to explain myself. And that to me feels like wrestling. Mm. Nobody's ever like, Hey Randy, why did you do that? Why did you walk that way or whatever? Or like question anything where right. like, if I wear, you know, pink jeans to the gym, somebody's probably going to comment on like my pink jeans yeah. or something like that or plaid overalls or whatever. They're going to make a little snide remark or whatever. But if I wear it out to the crowd, they're going to be like, love it, right? Yeah. So it feels like a place where I can truly be me and performing, yeah, just like it's that energy and the, the, the lack of, the fear of what I'm doing not being good enough or whatever or not being accepted by the mainstream or by other people goes away mm -hmm. because it is heightened. Right, right. And I always feel that my emotions are kind of, lots of people say like, go, your emotions from one to 10. And I'm like, I don't think I have emotions that go from one to 10. I think they go from like a negative eight to like a 14. <laughs> and normally I'm hanging out on those other ends. Right. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. And that's where I feel like out there, I can show that extreme emotion. I can be everything I've got inside. And it just, all that angst and all that, but heartache can kind of have somewhere to go yeah. and I can kind of show the world my pain yeah. without giving it to the next person without passing that pain along, you know? And I think physical pain is so much easier to understand than, than mental pain or, or emotional pain that when I'm out there and I'm showing them my physical pain, but I'm using my emotional pain to get that um, energy and emotion out of me, then it's kind of blurry and then fans, I can kind of put that extra energy into that uh, physical pain and then that brings them in. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where, that's where I find it's really soothing for me and important. I'm, I have, I was always like a uh, hyperactive kid yeah. who was big into art and I was big into like drawing and very small art, like not performance. And then I still had this like energy and this aggression and I wasn't a sports kid at all. So I had nowhere to get my, that energy out. So then it would just boil up and I'd explode and I'd have these like heartbreaking temper tantrums where I'd be a volcano and then crying in a corner afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then until I found a place where I'm like, oh, this is a place where I can get out my aggression in a healthy manner and I can show the world that I'm hurting in a healthy manner. So that's, yeah, that's how I can kind of, that's how, that's how it's therapeutic for me. And at the same time, there's this acceptance of like a place you can kick off your shoes a little bit. hundred percent. Which yeah. is so important. Let it's my hair down. That's something we've talked about. There's like, so there's like two things like, um, you know, um, in, I don't know if you've read The Body Keeps the Score by no. Basil Vanderkolk. It's a, a movie, a movie, a book about all of the uh, different modalities of trauma, um, healing okay, and okay. um from things like um you know th you know more typical things like uh 
like EMDR or like uh, exposure therapy, things like that, but also goes into yoga and even performance and goes into, you know, how people who are dealing with a lot of trauma, even just being in community theater and stuff can really, for some people, resolve effects of PTSD. Totally. It's not, this is not like, like a small deal or hippy dippy no. or crystals. It's like, real this is therapy for sure for a lot of people i've seen a lot of people come out of their shell through using improv mm, techniques mm -hmm. and stuff like that like the majority of time when i take an improv class i've been doing improv for five years um it, there's i'd say that there's about 30 percent of people that are in that class just to kind of come out of their shell just to meet some new people just to get comfortable with their own thoughts and the idea that nothing they say is wrong and that there's like a, a kind of a safe place, you know right, what I mean? Sure. I mean, nothing they say is wrong within the realm of free association kind of, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, the amount of people I've seen get so much out of that and they maybe sometimes they turn into a wonderful performer or sometimes they don't even worry about performing at all. It was just meeting that community and, and having a place again where they could just say what was on their mind or what was heard. in their heart. Yeah. And be heard. Because exactly. so many of us that grow up, you know, or, or who are adults or, or adolescents with severe mental illness, a lot of us grew up in households where we weren't really heard, let alone heard from the depths of our souls. Exactly, you know? exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, I had like, my mom was working a lot when I was young and she wasn't always, she would give me everything she had, but by sometimes when she'd come home after working two jobs, she was so tired and burned out and it, she wasn't necessarily always present. Right. Even though she was there right. physically. But to hear those kind of things. Yeah. So, yeah. I got to figure out some performance to do. I don't know what to do. No? Has there not know. been anything? I don't know. I've always been like a video guy or an interviewing guy, but okay. I think I want to do some performance because I think that, I mean, I kind of have a similar, I, you know, I my family's kind of more of the addiction side of things. Okay, yeah. But a similar kind of uh, thing. I don't know where to start. Hmm. Where should I start? I don't know. Have you thought about doing... I just did an interview, a couple interviews last week, two weekends ago, where I was did a little tour around where I was interviewing a professional wrestler named Raven. Oh, and I yeah. was doing, yeah, I did three shows with him. And so I was interviewing oh, cool. and it was part of a show. So it was an interview show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's that <laughs> as an opportunity. There's got to be something though. In I want to perform though. What do you, what are you thinking? Is, I like, don't know. Have you thought about like... What, would you go down like stand-up route? Oh, go God. <laughs> that sounds like a no. <laughs> Freestyle rap battles? I don't know where to start. I have to think about it. What kind of art do you have you been doing? Um, so I, I grew up as a cartoonist. Oh, very As cool. a little kid. Awesome. You know, and then I went to school for television production because I wanted to be an animator. Oh, fun, yeah. Kind of fell in love with documentary filmmaking. Oh, interesting. And that ended up being my thing. Cool, okay. But it was always a step back. Yeah, okay, you know, yeah, yeah it wasn't. was a behind the camera yeah, kind exactly. of thing or whatever. Interesting. Yeah, no, and even like you were saying, even the animation is very much that, right? Yeah. Like, here's a character I created and I'm putting it on. Mm -hmm. I, I was into animation, funny enough, when I was a child as well, and it was just the idea of drawing like all those pictures that I was mm. like, oh my. When I found out it was like 24 frame, frames per second or whatever, I'm like, yeah, no, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> no, I don't got that kind of attention span. So, yeah, I don't, there's got to be something. There's got to be something. There's something like I've been, and I'm, I'm not. Like I'm still trying to do stand up. I'm still trying to oh, do yeah. improv. I'm still trying to do like some sketch writing and musical yeah. theater is what I've always really wanted to do. And that's what you got to yeah. do, man. That's what you got to do. <laughs> you just you know it. You know it. it's scary. It's scary, but you just gotta like. For me, stand up was the thing that I wanted. Like when since I was really little, like that was the first thing that I kind of had my eye on, and was always like looking at these comedians because they thought differently. And I'm like, here's these people who just think differently, and they're 
applauded mm-hmm. for being weird mm-hmm. and for thinking outside the box. And I'm like, well, that's obviously what I need to do. Right. And then it was just, yeah, so intimidating that it was like, I, I'm just going to go get beat up by giant dudes. That seems far easier <laughs> than going up there and saying words. Oh. Yeah, being sincere about him? Oh, scary. <laughs> so you, you've touched on a, a couple of things. You touched upon your childhood a little bit mm-hmm. and, you know, that this has been a long battle for you. Can you speak to more just your journey, sure. just kind of in general of where you've been and where you've come and, totally. and stuff like that? So it was when I was young, the first thing I was diagnosed with, which I think most people is the first thing is ADHD. I think that's like, that's like the kid diagnosis. I mm-hmm. think it felt like at least it was definitely in... 1989 when I would have been diagnosed. Um, and then from there, so that was when I was about seven. And then, um, my, uh, my mother and father split when I was four years old. So my dad was still around a bit. Um, like still like I'd see him on visitations or whatever. And then when I was 10 years old, we got into a big altercation and then he stopped hanging around. He said, if you want to see me, it's up to you. And then my mom had her best friend who was uh, a gay man who was dying uh, of AIDS at the time move in and like we became best friends. He was my surrogate father then plus best friend. Mm -hmm. Then when he started getting really sick, he decided that he didn't want me to see him like that. So then he went off to, he passed his, or had his last few months in an apartment solo. But it, really felt like, and those were kind of like two years in a row for me, about uh, 10 was when my, I stopped seeing my dad and then 11 was when my mom's friend Craig passed away. And I felt some serious abandonment issues attached to those things. And since then it's been really hard for me to become connected to males. Mm-hmm. There's always been like that kind of disconnect where I don't want to, I fear that if I care about somebody too much, they're just going to leave. So I'd rather be the one who leaves first. Mm-hmm. Um, so about then I, got, I started getting obsessive compulsive tendencies when I was about 11 years old. Um, and it was like things like I would like count my fingertips over and over again. If there was a, a leaf that was crunchy, that was like rolling down the street, I'd have to like chase it for blocks and blocks and blocks and crunch that leaf. Otherwise there was things that were attached to it. I was going to, grew up to be more effeminate. I was going to get AIDS myself. My mom was going to die. All these kind of things attached to it. And then, so I suffered with that for a while. Then it was about, started seeing new therapists, went on Paxil. Uh, I'd already tried Dexatrin and Ritalin for the ADD. And then You're like I, a teenager at this point. Yeah, I was, no, I was 12, 12 when they put me on Paxil. So Dexatrin and Ritalin were when I was like 7 and 8. Mm. And then Paxil when I was, yeah, 10, 11. And then I was on that for 18 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then, and so I, I kind of was able to outthink the ten, the obsessive compulsive, like the compulsions kind of, like I always had that ruminating thought in my head, but I was able to realize like there's this leaf has nothing to do with me getting AIDS or whatever. So I was able to kind of think past that part of it, like the rituals, but the ruminating thoughts and the constant worrying never went away. So I was like, yeah, I beat OCD. I don't crush leaves anymore. I don't count my fingertips. But then I was like, oh, I still have all of the like worry right. and doubt and catastrophizing thoughts and stuff like that. And that carried on through, through high school and has carried on partially until now mm-hmm. as well. Um, I've done all the CBT 
therapy, DBT therapy. Mm-hmm. I've done, like I said, I've done talk therapy, group therapy. I've done mindfulness training. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I've done, and now I'm on, I've taken a slew of pills. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on, t- which one are they? Man? Prozac now. They mm-hmm. just got Prozac. Old school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they've tried them all. Like I've been on like lithium and I've been on, yeah, Then the list is insane. Yeah, me too. I'm not a huge pill guy, but at this point it came to a point where I'm like, I just, I got to figure something out, you know yeah. what I mean? And I still don't think right now I'm like suffering from some of the side effects and stuff yeah. like that. I'm feeling like fatigue. I'm feeling nauseous. I'm, it's not feeling like a hundred percent and it still hasn't taken away the anxiety either. So that's kind of where we're at now. Uh, yeah. So, and I'm, I've got, yeah, I've got a therapist that I just, uh, started seeing a couple weeks ago a new therapist so oh, cool. we're giving that a go how's so. it going so far so far i don't know she was like she seems great but she's a student yeah because uh, it's really hard as i'm sure as you know to like for for cheap therapy sure it's really hard to find a place that's like i've done the like outpatient stuff at the hospital i've done all that kind of stuff so i kind of yeah but to find something like i kept hearing what was that that app that people are telling you to download i, I fucking hate all that um, yeah i don't know anyways a bunch I, of I don't need to bury any space yeah one of those yeah. one of those apps yeah. who knows which one uh, it was. Yeah, we need a sponsorship over here so yeah. i don't want to bury no any, exactly yeah. they're all great <laughs> and honestly if they do work for you that's awesome but and i feel better than nothing for totally. c- certainly if they can connect you to services if you're in a crisis but i filled I out know. the form and they're like sorry we can't help you we oh, recommend no. these people and i'm like because you're you had too much of a oh I think they were just like hey, hey listen you poor kid I'm not oh, yeah, I, I think that's what it was I don't yeah. know I didn't go back and try it a different way but I was curious if I filled out the form again but yeah that sent me and that's obviously not a place you want to be you're right, like, sure. cool thanks I mean like anyone can get help with these apps mm-hmm. and then you go in they're like oh not you fuck you yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah I don't know I did but again if you can find a place that works for you that's kind of great or yeah whatever. and the student thing can work if you find someone great because there are people you know I so I my first therapist who totally saved my life was a student but she was also like 45 she had already like done a lot of life yeah and dealt with mental illness in her own life like it was not she she was very old at it and like in some regards like no, totally. it, had, it was a thing she knew how to support me it wasn't out of just everything she knew wasn't just out of the book she had right. some real life experience exactly right? so and those people are around it's like it's like that's not necess- not that everyone's going to be a home run totally for the free clinics but also um you don't want to discount it and no. if you do go you might be able to ask for somebody else for sure They're, and I, and i don't mean to say that i was putting down the the, no, the, not at the all. student at all i was just I felt like when I walked in, she was like, oh, this is a tall order. Like, uh-huh. You know what I mean? I think I was more than she expected. I think she maybe expected somebody with, yeah, maybe not a lifetime of mental health issues. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure, so, sure. Yeah, I think she just like looked at my file and was like, whoa, mm-hmm. <laughs> more than anything. But she seems very nice and, yeah, willing to still give it a go. I don't write anyone off that quick. Yeah. No, I mean, but if this, if this but if, you know, just for everybody listening at home, you know, if someone isn't the right fit for you, you can also, you're not stuck with them. No, totally. Yeah. I had uh, my last uh, psychologist was, wouldn't look at me basically, would just be on the computer the no. whole time watching golf videos and oh, stuff no. like that. And I'm just like, no, I can't, I can't do oh, this anymore. And no. I went and I got a new, I got yeah. a new one. So it's Good totally you. possible. You know what I mean? You got to be you. your own advocate in these situations yeah. for sure. Yeah. And just saying, um, you know, this isn't a match and see who else is out there. And in a community clinic like like these usually are, at least here, yeah. um, the good news is that there's usually a lot of people around. For sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And if you're like, um, 
yeah, this isn't working out. Hopefully, they'll be able to to find someone else for you. Yeah, lead you in the right direction. For you, sure. You'd hope. Not that it's a seamless system, but no, for uh, sure. You know, help is out there, if, especially uh, if you're not willing to give up on you. Yeah, exactly. And we are all worth it. Yeah, and that's what your work is about. Is exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to yeah show that <laughs> show that and remind people of that. Yeah. So your T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your T-shirt. The Your Anxiety's Lying T-shirt? Yeah, tell us. What is this? Uh, well, it was just, I wanted to have, again, like it was the thing, like, do I want my face on a T-shirt? Do I, like, what do I want? What do I want to be out there that's if representing me? Mm-hmm. And if, if, I, if I saw that T-shirt yeah. when I was younger, that yeah. would have been, that would have made my day. And I've had fans tell me that, like I was wearing your shirt the other day and people dropped, stopped me and took a picture of my shirt and told me how much it meant to me and stuff like that. And it's like, here I'm able to like kind of spread the good news just just through a simple act of a t-shirt. And the shirt reads? The shirt reads, your anxiety is lying. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's a truly, yeah, what I felt a lot of the time. I'm hearing these words in my head that are like totally not true. They're, I don't even, they're not even words of, they're all my own abusive words. They yeah. weren't even words I was told about this or ways I was told to feel about myself. They're just ways I've made up to feel about myself or through past trauma has led me to these beliefs yeah and so and yeah until i kind of i need to tell myself that sometimes i need mm-hmm. to like, be like no that's not that's not a real thing like mm-hmm. this is like you're being your own worst enemy here or your mind is kind of mm-hmm. yeah you're, you've got an argument within yourself going here so and i think that yeah, like i said if i can put that out there and it can make one person realize that that's it i mean as cheesy as that sounds that's all i'm looking for is that yeah. one person and it's helped at least one person so. yeah yeah, and that's the starting point, yeah. right? It's like, and that that's not the end point. No. But, um... We can open I, up conversation. Yeah, least, you know? and if conversation to get help or get support or find what works doing all of the things that we do just to get, you know, it has to start somewhere. And that's something that, you know, maybe it starts there. Totally. You know, I've been ruminating thoughts. I mean, that's kind of been my biggest struggle. Okay, and at yeah. the end of the day, it's like, that's really what... That's what knocks you down to that place where you're not safe because the words just, at least for me, don't get out of my head, you know? They just, yeah, go and go and go on like loop, yeah. And you think you can think your way out of it. Yeah. And that's the lie. Totally. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. You can't. You just have to let it go. And then like after healing from that, if anyone's feeling that right now, you know, just to tell you my experience, (sighs) just one day it doesn't matter and you realize, oh shit, what was I thinking about that for? For sure. I'm a good person. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I didn't. Yeah. It's just not that important. There's bigger fish to fry. Totally. And there's right now. Yeah, exactly. And and is there, if you've made a mistake, is dwelling on that mistake going to fix that mistake? Yeah. You know what I mean? Beating yourself up about it and not forgiving yourself. Yeah. Like that's what, we need to forgive ourselves for these mistakes. Yeah. We have to know that we're worth it. Like for everyone I talk to, every patient, like they have that moment where they go, I'm worth it. I'm worth the advocacy. I'm worth standing up for myself. I'm worth taking care of myself. I'm worth eating, you know, okay, the best I can. Yeah. I'm worth exercising. I'm worth setting boundaries in my relationships. I'm worth asking for a raise. I'm worth not putting myself at the lowest priority all of the time. And then once you can figure that out, all of a sudden those thoughts that just go, brrr, you go, I'm not worth that mean thing I'm saying about yeah, myself. No, exactly. That doesn't add up here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I completely agree with that. So that's the work if people are out there starting this. There's no magic bullet. There's no, no, definitely. 
one thing. If you, if you do had to like, no magic bullets, right? Mm-hmm. But if you had to boil it down, it was just like your most important things that keep you able to perform at, at a very top level in front of hundreds or thousands of people sometimes doing this work, driving around the country, which is a feat in itself. <laughs> I don't know how you guys... Yeah, yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing you're playing this endurance game, you know, it's a very hard thing what you're doing and you're you're performing at a top tier level on top of dealing with, you know, a, a, an often um, disabling condition for some folks. What keeps you going to be able to do all of this? I think you, like I obviously not everyone has it, but having a good team is important. Having like-minded people around the great thing about being open about my mental health struggles is that people come to me with their stuff, which is means I have even this, even you, you yeah. know what I mean? Right here, <laughs> right. This wouldn't be happening if I wasn't open about who I was. And then it makes me find somebody who I have all of these connections with and so much similarities. And it makes me feel so finding community for me, working out is really important. I spend, like you were saying, a lot of time in my head and I find if I can get in my body, it's so much, I feel so much better. Yeah. I think, yeah, like I try, I always try and outthink things and always trying to outrun myself or whatever in my brain. But like, if I can just be in my body and be physical, it makes a huge difference. So eating right is a big thing. Um, going to the gym for a lot, like having my own meditation and Zen time kind of there. I also find like not only my uh, diet, like from food and drink and stuff like that, but also what I'm putting in my body via media. Mm-hmm. is really important too like some of the stuff i love i can't i can't do too much you really know what like I mean? what examples like maybe like mark maron's podcast you know what i mean where he's like so can be so nihilistic at times and i love like so many of the things he just feels like he's speaking right to my heart or it's coming from there but then it doesn't necessarily leave me in a in a better place or a more uplifted place it makes me sometimes feel less alone but then I feel like there is all these things that's wrong with the world and I focus on the wrong things. Uh, sometimes some of the music, I like punk rock music a lot of the time and a lot of the time that'll lead to the nihilistic kind of things as well. And so I have to kind of stay away from that or like true crime. So there's like a lot of stuff that I'm like have high interest in and I need to like just like put boundaries on. It doesn't mean I can't do the things that I that I like, but there's also other things I can find. Like if I listen to... If I listen to some folk punk band, I'm probably going to be a lot more angsty and a lot more uh, in my head about maybe an us versus them kind of mentality kind of or like, you know, conspiracy theory stuff or whatever. But if I can think of like if I'm listening to like Whitney Houston or something (laughs) like that, then I'm not going to feel that same thing. Or if I'm listening to Britney or Etta James or something that's like poppier and uplifting, I'm lucky enough to have... A, a diverse personality so there's still stuff I absolutely love yeah. which I find uplifting so yeah. I need to make sure I'm putting that uplifting stuff into my life not yeah. just the stuff that like sees things from the dark side yeah I people who follow me on Spotify they're like what the what? you're listening to Slayer all week <laughs> and then you're listening to Cindy Lauper like what are you what is going on over there sounds <laughs> delightful I love Cindy Lauper I love her <laughs> perfect perfect man of my own heart man of my own heart yeah but yeah you got to take a break yeah no so that's what it is sometimes yeah, yeah not looking at the uh, trying to find the things that really bring me up what do you eat? How what do you I know eat? what to eat? Because this is like a huge Oof. thing for people who are starting their journey. Yeah. Like 
there's so much information about food now. Mm-hmm. There's vegan, there's carnivore diet, there's you go on YouTube and you look uh you know, if you're a young person looking for answers, people have no idea what to eat. What do you eat? How do you do it? So I was when I was young, when I was they were when they were trying to figure out my hyperactivity when I was very young, the first thing they did was put me on a diet plan. Actually. So because of that, there were certain things that were cut out of my diet at a very young age and were not I, I was raised for like from like zero to four on this diet that was through the children's hospital. So then it ended up making me have these very strong kind of like, I don't like, I love, I love hard boiled eggs. I love fruit. Like I was the kid who had fruit, a fruit birthday party and, yeah. ha- and my mom had to go and buy a cake for every, for all the <laughs> other kids at my party. Cause they were complaining that this yeah. guy only has honeydew melon or whatever <laughs> I had. Right. So yeah. So I've always kind of like led towards the healthier. So I try and eat whole, like whole foods and stuff like that. Natural foods, um, not too many preservatives. Uh, and then just kind of over the years I've realized like poor doesn't work well for me there's certain things that I just try not to do I'll do try to do like a cheat meal or something like that once a week my rule of thumb is that McDonald's only exists in the states mm. after a defy show right I see. I've never seen one in Canada <laughs> so afterwards I'll go and I'll cheat and I'll do that but it's yeah one meal not a whole day yeah no not a whole day just yeah. wait out one meal afterwards and then and then yeah maybe if I've got like you know, there's a great pie place that I just tried last week in Vancouver and I'll try that, but I'm um, still like, I'm at the gym six, seven days a week and eating high protein meals all day and yeah, low fat and just, yeah, like that's what really helps me cutting the sugar out as well. Yeah. So just, I think what I, the way I eat is putty, putty like plain, I guess, like I eat a lot of like spinach and chicken and broccoli and eggs and kind of nuts and stuff like yeah. that. So like whole foods and without yeah. a lot of ingredients. Yeah. I found that that's pretty much everybody. Okay. That's, yeah. That's the mental health diet in a nutshell. Interesting. Um, because I mean, this is episode 20. I okay. Think yeah. 19 or 18 have been with uh, people who deal with serious mental health struggles okay. and everybody just eats whole foods, high protein, um, you know, from, you know, mood disorders, unipolar depression, bipolar, um, and just what I do, if people are like, just kind of in a place of thinking about hacks, I go to Trader Joe's. Do you have that in Canada? No, we don't. You don't have, no. well, but you're close enough to the border. Yeah, we're good enough. <laughs> we have like, we have, we have like Whole Foods and we have some places. So they have these, uh, pre-chopped vegetables in a bag. Okay. Yeah. Um, that are, I mean, I don't, I don't know what your budget is at home, but pretty affordable for like two bucks, a pound of veggies chopped up in a bag sweet so for me what i do a little i, I bu- get buying a new nonstick pan super important because if you're depressed cleaning dishes is the worst yeah for sure <laughs> they're so heavy for some reason when i'm depressed i lift weights all day long but a dish becomes so heavy it's the worst <laughs> it's the biggest problem and then chopping preparing so i buy stuff that i can throw in a pan mm-hmm. that's you know, I don't know if preach. I bet if you chop it yourself, it's a little bit healthier. I don't care, or or I'll use frozen vegetables totally, because yeah. even though it's frozen, it's still vegetables. It's exactly. way better than eating a hamburger totally. for your brain. So I do just a big plate. I aim for. I always just whatever I do, I aim for a big plate of vegetables and or legumes from a, in a can, yeah, and a piece of protein that could be like three eggs or a piece of salmon. That's what I eat. That sounds great. Yeah. Super sounds simple. Delicious. Now I'm hungry. Super simple. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that, yeah, the more simple you can make it, the better. Because I think that's 
that's what we were given to eat. Right. Like not all this like mixing stuff. Like yeah. humans just screw things up. Let's just take the humans as best as we can out of the <laughs> equation. Sure, you can cut it up a little bit, but other than that, let's right. not let's not mess around too much. That's a good uh, a good way to. Do you do rice? Yeah, I do rice. Yeah, I just white do. or I do brown rice. You yeah. do brown rice. Do Interesting. Brown rice. Yeah, I do. A lot of fitness folks are going white rice now. Are so they okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've heard that actually, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whichever way you want to go. I mean, in my sushi, I'll do the sticky white rice. Uh, uh-huh. Which I know I sugar in it. Uh, yeah, but right, 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 right. Um, so that's um, pretty much what I have. Is there anything you want to share with the people? Jeez, one on one with the people. That like, <laughs> with the people, <laughs> with our people. I feel like I'm still like <laughs> I'm uh, standing on uh, like a like a, out on a balcony, and everyone's all my the people down there waiting for me to say something smart, and and I don't know whether I've got ah, I said something in my match with. Uh, it comes off slightly crass, but I think that the heart behind it matter is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that I, my, my match with MJF, and he's always telling, or he's a wrestler who's always telling everyone who he's better than everyone. Yeah, and he's really mean. He's, he's from, really mean. also from Long Island. There you go. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. if that tells you anything. So everyone, like, there's a big thing about being the best, and I yeah. feel like there's so much drive to be the best um, and be number one. Yeah. And I really think it's about being your best. You know what I mean? And so my thing was like, life is like a masturbation contest. Don't worry about what else, anyone else is doing. Just here, you're only here to beat yourself. Right. And and I really feel that that's true. I, I just like this winning mentality lately has really been getting in my head. This I, I feel it's tied directly to capitalism and that n- number one, Yeah. you know, being number one. And to tell you the truth, when Jim and Matt first told me that I was going to be going for a title... I was like, oh, I don't know how my I don't know how my character feels about the idea of trying to be the best, and and I, I still don't know. Yeah, the idea of because I, I've been there and I've been like I'm gonna be like I'm gonna, you know, and like kind of getting jealous of the guys around me or whatever, and then like I've got to be the and that's never taken me to a better place. It's never made me a better performer. Yeah, I'm not the kind of person who gets fueled by competition. Yeah, I'm the kind of person who's like, if you want it that bad, you can have it. Um. So yeah, so but then I realized like a lot of the time the people who aren't big on competition are are going to be the ones who give over sometimes give over that power or let someone else be number one, and then it's always going to be the the egomaniacal dickhead or whoever right. who, who ends up getting that position because right. the other people don't necessarily want it. Right. And so I realized well then maybe sometimes somebody needs to be even if they don't feel that they need to be the best. They need to be the best to show that you doing your best is the best. Absolutely. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I just feel that like the world is full of people who want to be number one. And if we only let those people be only the people who want to be number one, be number one, then that's gross. So let's have some people who don't want to be number one <laughs> end up being number one. And let's see if the, how that works out for us. And we can be number one in our own community well, that's here. That's just it, you know? right? Like, and like, you're, you're number one in my world. Oh, hey. You're number one shucks. in this mental health world. Like, well, that's what I, like I said that like to a, a family was like, oh, I really hope you win. And I'm like, well, I think I'm already number one in your heart. So that just means a lot more to me than anything else. And I mean, obviously there's those accolades and there's do mean things and I'm not ever saying, putting down any, anything like that, but yeah. Just, yeah, I feel I've already won. Yeah. So if I go out there and give the fans of the performance and can again, maybe touch one person or make another person feel not alone or that they can maybe be more open about their sexuality or mental health, well then I've already won a championship. Yeah. And so, be themselves. Yeah. 
that's what it's all about. At exactly. The it, being your whole self. Yeah. Being your weird self because we're all weird, you know? There's no normal. That's recovery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of your work. Thank you so much. I really appreciate doing this and having a chance to get to know you and chat. Yeah, thanks for sharing your wisdom and thanks for showing up yeah, and, no you know, problem. giving uh, us uh, mental health weirdos um, a little bit of a spotlight. Yeah, hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. And thank you for giving me the spotlight. <laughs> it's a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> If you'd like to follow Randy Meyer's journey as Defy Champion, you can check him out on Instagram. He is the Weirdo Hero on Twitter. He is Ravenous Randy. And you can buy tickets to see Randy defend the Defy title if you do happen to be in the Seattle area at defywrestling.com. A warm thank you to Annie Tunicliffe, Jim Perry, Matt Farmer, and everyone at the Defy organization that helped us do this and gave up their dressing room so we could record an episode of Mental Radio right before a big show. They were very, very great, gracious, and kind to the cause. So please support Defy Wrestling and come out to a show. They do some great work. They also have all of their shows online. You can subscribe or uh, download a show and just see what the madness is all about. As always, we are executive produced by AV Flocks with a special thanks to Tom Trottier, Patrick Mohan, and Tamara Broadhead. Um, as always, don't make any changes to your treatment plan based on anything on the show. If you do like what you heard, please support the project at mentalhealthmedia.org where you can make a tax-deductible contribution. Um, we need your help to keep going. If, uh, if you want to see... This podcast, um, make it through the year and you like having these new episodes every week, every other week, however we can make, please support us so we can keep the project going. And, uh, and if you're someone who wants to be more involved, pre please reach out. I'm at Twitter at Zookman at Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N. Um, my email is jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at zookman.com, Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N.com. If you love this project and you're a business person, you want to be more involved, you want to help us raise money, or if you want to contribute in a larger way and be on board and part of our team, now is the time to do that. We need your help to keep going. Um, as always, thank you to all of our GoFundMe Folks, anyone who donates more than 50 bucks, you get your name in the credits for the whole podcast, for the whole year of podcasts. Hopefully, we can uh, raise a bunch of money and do this every week. Um, if we don't meet that goal, we'll still continue the podcast a little less frequently, but you're going to get your shout outs. So, our GoFundMe supporters, Mecky M, Carolina P, Ryan P, Chip and Neds, uh, Metal D, Tall Paul M, Joel R, Ben G, Vinny R, Patty M, Sean H, Linda E, Franklin G, Johnny P, Sophia M, Jackie M, Bob S, Rose P, Jeannie A, Handy House, uh, Tim W, Stephanie P, Patrick L, Stephen J, Judy B, David L, Stuart M, Jim E, Cash G, and uh, Sean D, The Smo, Alex B, Marilyn S, Colin F, Lauren B, Patricia M, Phil A. 
and Ivan E, Ivan M. Music as always is uh, Drugs of Choice by Hans Adam. I'm Jesse Zookman. You can find me on Twitter where we keep the conversation alive all week, all month, every day. I post articles. I post new research. I post uh, tweets by the best people dealing with mental health issues in the world, people who are really recovering, people who are supporting each other. Come join the party on the Twitter machine at Zookman, at Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N. Um, that's where the action is. And you can, of course, visit us, mentalhealthmedia.org, for a list of all the podcasts. Subscribe to Mental Radio. Like this and like that. Um, until next time, everybody, um, take care of yourselves. Support each other. Zai Gesundheit.